Welcome to The Determined Mom Show, the only marketing podcast dedicated to guiding mom CEOs into tranquility, wealth, and multiplying those precious moments. Hi, everyone. It's Amanda Tento, and I am here with Elizabeth Dahl. She is going to be teaching us in the summit how we can fit exercise into our schedule and make it more of a priority. So welcome, Elizabeth. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, me too. I'm very excited to have you because this is something that I am actually currently struggling with and I would love to hear what you're going to be teaching us and a little bit more about that and how it can help us. So first, I want to ask you how you got started in this in this business and how you got started helping women with their wellness. Yeah, so I started as essentially a personal trainer. I decided that I, I was kind of, even before that, I was I was planning to go to nursing school and did some rotations and, and just decided I, I wanted to help people feel more well and, and take kind of prevent from going to the hospital, even though I know there's not always, you can't always do that, but helping people maintain kind of wellness. And so I started in personal training and I loved it and it was fun, but I noticed there was a disconnect for me that I would... Um, I would tell these women, I love to work with women. I would say like, Hey, here's your plan. Let's do it. Um, this will get you your results and all that stuff. And you know, we had some success, but we also had a lot of struggles. Right. And they would come back and be like, Oh, I didn't do that. This got in the way, this got in the way. And I started to realize that life <laughs> is part of wellness. And it's not just about having a perfect plan. It's not about me giving you this, like here, this will work if you follow it. It's oh my goodness, I have stress in my life. I have kids in my life. I have a business. I have all of these things. How do I incorporate wellness health into my lifestyle? And so that's what kind of started transitioning me more into the wellness coaching side of it, the, the behavior change. How do, we, how do we understand our behaviors? How do we change them? And how do we incorporate that wellness into our life? So I went on, I went back to school and got a master's degree in exercise physiology as well as wellness coaching. So I, I kind of wanted to go more down the path of coaching and helping women understand those barriers that come up that trainers don't have the time or the resources to help with. And so that's essentially kind of where I got started is I wanted to help with the behavior and help women find the reasons for exercise, the reasons for wellness in their own life and help them overcome those barriers. And so that's, that's what I've been doing in corporate world. And then now on my own with my own business. So that's, that's where it all started. <laughs> that's awesome. And I, I can totally see that, you know, like, especially if you were to have like a male trainer or someone that doesn't have that same, you know, lifestyle as you, um, they don't understand necessarily what those challenges are or how severe they might be, <laughs> you know? Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's a really good and point. And I don't well, think I did at the time either because I, w I didn't have a family of my own at that time, you know? So yeah. it was hard for me to understand. And as I've gained a family, essentially, I've also learned these things for myself as well, which, you know, I've got the, the education, but also that real life experience. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it, it's, uh, it's a different ball game. And that's why I think for me, this summit is extremely important because it's one thing to be a business owner and, um, a person like a singular person, but it's a completely different thing, um, to be a business owner and a mom and, you know, all of the other things that we do and all of the hats that we wear as moms, like the homework checker, the, you know, the grocery shopper, all of those things. And, 
adding all of those hats on, but I'm so happy that you are here to kind of adjust our mindset and our um, kind of discovery of ourselves when it comes to exercise. Yes, absolutely. I am excited to do that today. I hope that's what we get out of it. <laughs> yes, yes, it will be. Um, so what is the number one struggle that you see um, like in your work with business moms when it comes to exercise? Not knowing why, not knowing the reason for exercise. So, so many times we approach exercise from a, like a to-do list standpoint or a checklist standpoint, right? Like the doctor told me I should do this or um, I should do this to lose weight or whatever, all those lists of reasons, right? We have all those reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, the, that's kind of the first thing is not really understanding the why. And so when things get hard, it's the first thing to go. And so one of the things that I really, from the very beginning, recommend to moms and women and and everybody that wants to develop a better exercise program into their life is to understand, first of all, why they're wanting to do that. And let's forget the outside sources. Let's forget about the doctor. If if the doctor says you need to lose weight or or if you you feel like maybe you need to prevent disease, it's not very exciting, right? It's not very fulfilling to do. And so I want to bring back the joy and the excitement into the exercise. So what is your why for doing it? Is exercise an outlet for you? Is exercise a space for you, like away from your kids? Do you like to be away? Is exercise an opportunity for your brain to feel happy? Like that's, that's a physiological thing that happens in our bodies. And so if we can look at it that way, that can really help us determine why we want to approach it so that when things get hard, we can go back to that why. Mm-hmm. And I have, uh, I had a client recently that um, I was working with and she was telling me she was having a hard time with exercise and we kind of kept talking about it and she came up with her why being the enjoyment of wellness. And I always share that because I love it so much. It, it feels more achievable, right? It feels more attainable. Like, oh, if that's why I'm approaching exercise, because it makes me feel good and I enjoy feeling good and being able to have energy with my kids and, and do the things, you know, be the businesswoman that I want to be and all those things, yeah. then that's your why. And that's what's going to get you up in the morning. If, if the morning is when you need to do it, that's what's going to get you moving when it doesn't feel great or all of those things that life happens. Yeah. If you can figure out your why first, that is number one. That's awesome. Okay. And I think, yeah, I know that in business, we learned that like figuring out the why behind your business is the most important thing to start with. And it makes total sense that it would, you know, that same technique would translate into exercise, but I have never, ever, ever thought of it that way. <laughs> so it, it yeah. seems simple, but yeah. also like profound, right? <laughs> yeah. Like I, like you're blowing my mind here. Like, I'm like, wait a minute. I have never considered like the intrinsic why, like I know how it makes me feel and that kind of thing, but I've never like really, yeah. Okay. That's awesome. So how would you say, um, a mom can kind of figure out how to implement what you're going to be teaching? Like, is it going to be over a course, the course of like months or is it over the course of like weeks or how can they work your method into, um, you know, their life? Yes. The first thing that I want every woman to understand is that you will have ebbs and flows of exercise in your life. You can still have a good relationship with exercise 
during all seasons of life. Let's say you're postpartum and that exercise is very different, right? Um, or you're busy or whatever. And so the first thing to know is that your exercise relationship will kind of go like this. Our goal is that it's not going like this, right? The big yeah. up and downs. Um, and so that's okay. It's okay to be in an ab influence with exercise. That's the first thing. The second thing to go along with that is to understand where you're at right now. So I want you to meet yourself where you're at, not where the neighbor down the street is, not where the woman at the gym that you saw like crushing it the other day is. Where are you at right now? And meet yourself there. So start where you are right now. If that means five minutes of, of Pilates on a mat right before you do your work for the day, or if that means, you know, if you like to go to the gym classes, whatever it looks like for you, Remember that we've got to start where you are because if you don't, you have the potential for burnout and injury. And those are the two biggest things that kind of stop us from exercising. We start to lose the joy. We start to lose that enjoyment of exercise. And so I know sometimes it can feel a little frustrating to feel like we start maybe from the beginning again, you know, if you're, if you're in a season of lull with exercise. But the good news is, is our bodies have muscle memory and they'll, and they get back. And so you're not going back to square one. I think a lot of women feel that way. Like, oh, I'm all the way back where I started. You're not all the way back where you started because your body remembers and it knows how to do these things. It's just learning how to get back to where maybe you want to be, not where so-and-so down the street wants to be, where you want to be, where your why is. And then just start there. Meet yourself where you are. And add one step at a time when you feel comfortable. Okay, I'm ready for the next step. Maybe I'm going to add in this. So that's kind of like a, a, an overview of like, let's start here, meet yourself where you are. And then the second thing I would say is learn what you need to learn. Because sometimes we approach exercise with this, like, how do I do it all? How do I do it right? How do I, you know, get yeah. started? Maybe find something that looks fun to you or looks enjoying enjoyable or whatever, and then learn what you need to learn about it. Maybe you want to do some weight training. Maybe that's an opportunity for you to ask a friend if you have a friend that you know knows how to do it, or, or there's lots of resources available, or, or hire a trainer one time to just say, can I learn the basics so that you know what you can do? Or you go online and you find maybe like a really simple Pilates program or something for you. And so really, we've got to have that the, the motivation and the like the enjoyment of wellness, what is your why, starting where you are, and then also acquiring skills that you need to be able to be successful so you don't feel like you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. Okay. That's awesome. And I think that's great advice. There's so many resources out there online to show you like proper technique and things. So um, I definitely think that is an important part of that. So the next question that I have is who or let's see, have you had a client, um, that has really transformed their life, um, you know, through wellness and really kind of getting to the bottom of what was holding them back before, and then having a completely kind of different life or energy level or anything in their life change? Yes. I have to tell you something kind of funny. <laughs> As a trainer, I was known for helping women get pregnant. I don't know what it was, but like they'd come yeah. to me and like, they'd always be trying to have babies, I guess. And maybe that was the stage that I attracted, but yeah. I felt like as we started to work together, every single one of them just kind of like ended up being pregnant. <laughs> it was mm -hmm. kind of fun. And I think that's, you know, like a, a 
I'm not saying I'm any fertility, anything, but um, I think, you know, that's maybe something that kind of brought them maybe a little bit less stress and, and, and relaxation and all that. But um, yeah, so the biggest thing I think with, I'm trying to think of a particular client, but um, just in general, like approaching what would happen is these women would come, let's say a, a particular client would come in and she would say, okay, I want to I lose weight. I want to feel good in my body. I want to tone up all these things that we kind of approach exercise mm-hmm. from that standpoint, or like the doctor told me I need to lose weight or something. And so I kind of, we kind of talk about, okay, we have all these outside voices coming in to our, in, into our bodies. Like someone outside is telling you how you should exercise, how much you should exercise, what kind in what way you should exercise and all of these things. And so you get bombarded with like, okay, I should do it this way, this way, this way, you know? And I first say, let's get, don't should all over yourself. <laughs> let's get rid of those shoulds Yeah. and, and go deeper. Like, why is this important to you? Why is it important to, to be able to move your body? What is it? Do you want to run a marathon? Do you want to be able to go out and like hike a mountain whenever you want? And so I would help these women kind of get to this place of what is it that you want to be able to do daily? Do you, do you want to be able to just go leave your house and go for a run? And if that's what you want to do, then that's, that's like, let's get you to that point. Let's find that enjoyment of exercise to that point to meet you where you are. Um, and then just like helping them understand the rest of their life comes in. So I also help women with healing their relationship with food, which is like a whole different thing, but it it really goes into play. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's thinking about what is, what's, what are all these barriers in your outside world and how do you lower the activation energy? So this is a really interesting topic or maybe you haven't heard this word before, but you lower the activation energy for exercise, which means you make it easier to get started. So what we do is we go to the very, very basics. Where are you right now? And how can you create a plan that you feel like you could not possibly fail? Mm-hmm. That's step one. And so by lowering that activation energy, the activation energy is the energy required to get started, to get started with an exercise. So maybe that means if you do it in the morning, you put your clothes, your shoes right by your bed. So you're ready to go. So you don't have to like fumble through the morning looking for everything. Maybe that means you always have a pair of walking shoes by your door. Or maybe that means like you have a favorite podcast to listen to, to start your exercise, because that's really the, probably the biggest barrier is getting started. So once we're started, usually people say it feels good for the most part. If you're kind of, you you know, if you've done it before, exercise really is a a good feeling. It can give you a good feeling. Um, But we want to work on lowering that activation energy and then kind of opening it up and saying, okay, I'm ready to bring this into my life. And I think that's, that's where the success story comes into play where these women go, okay, I can be an exerciser. I am a successful exerciser. Yeah. It doesn't look like the CrossFit people, maybe. It doesn't look like the marathoners, but I can be successful in my exercise for me. And then that's where the success comes because it keeps a happy relationship with exercise always because they're doing what they want to do, not what someone else told them. 
Right. And I, in this day and age when, or even commercials, everything, I mean, commercials, Facebook, anything that you look at has all of those messages. And I really love your philosophy of, you know, getting to that core message of inside of yourself, like what is the most important to you? What is your minimum viable option, you know? Yeah. So, and starting there, I love that. I'm so excited um, to have you on the summit. So thank you so much um, for sharing all about your topic. And we are going to be looking forward to seeing your session. At least I know I am. And I'm sure that many people watching are. Um, So definitely sign up to watch Elizabeth's talk. Thank you. I'm so excited. Me too. Hi everyone, Amanda Tento here, and I am here with the fabulous Jody Freed, and she is the owner of Love Adventure Mom, and she's going to be telling us how to reclaim adventure in our mom life without the overwhelm. So welcome, Jody. Thank you. Thanks, Amanda. So great to meet all of you. Yeah, I am so excited for this topic because, so I basically don't leave my house. It's like, except to go to the grocery store. Um, So I am probably the person that desperately needs this. And I'm sure there's a lot of other moms out there, but yeah, so definitely. definitely. Well, that's great. And you're, you're not alone, Amanda. I'll tell you that. Well, that is good to know too, because I definitely feel like uh, I am very uh, isolated and, you know, Mm. yeah. So, um, but I'm really excited to learn how not to be and learn how to kind of put that adventure back in. So, Mm. So tell me a little bit about you, how you got started in your business. Awesome. So yeah, I'm Jodi. I have four little kids. My eldest is now seven, which is unbelievable. And since basically the day she was born, I've been traveling and going on adventures with her and, and with our family. So my real motivation stemmed from two things that happened to me in my life. One is I was born in South Africa. And when I was 10, we immigrated, my family immigrated to the United States, leaving behind grandparents, aunts, uncles, and cousins back in South Africa. So it was a priority for me as I stepped into adulthood to keep those connections alive. And it it's difficult. It was difficult because It's expensive. It's a really long journey from here in Oregon back to South Africa, but, but I was committed. And so I really just figured out with my husband ways that we could make it happen. So we don't go often, but we do go sometimes. And that's amazing. And our kids have a relationship with their great grandparents, which is incredible. So that was motivation number one and motivation number two was when I met my husband and when we were dating, I was so not the adventurous type. I still don't consider myself (laughs) adventurous, even though it's so much more a part of my life. But um, I learned how to ski at the age of 23. And it really changed my life in such a profound way because it opened me up to the possibilities of what I can accomplish. It showed me that you it's never too late to learn something new. And like, we're always learning and growing. And it also gave me a renewed appreciation for the beautiful world that we live in and everything that's just really at our fingertips. So when I started having kids, I really wasn't willing to give that up. I wasn't willing to give up camping and 
skiing and hiking, you know, big or small. And so it was really became a matter of how to do all these things and integrate it into now family life and involve my children in it. And that's really what has been driving me all these years as I've seen so many mothers just struggle and lose these like the spark that's so much a piece of them. And then, you know, they start having kids and stop doing these things that they love and it, it just takes a back seat. And when we start to build it back into their lives, it's incredible to see how the families connect, how the moms feel more fulfilled, how families grow. and. So that's what I do. And that's what I love. That's awesome. Well, I love both of those um, reasons. First of all, um, going back to your reasons why, I think they are both amazing reasons. And um, we have a similar story going on in our life, but I'll talk to you about that later. Um, but, um, but yeah, I think, I think I love everything about your business and about what you do and about how you help moms. So I think it is just freaking amazing. Thank you. Yeah. So what do you think is the number one struggle that, you know, moms who are like me, well, I kind of know what my struggle is, but like moms who don't adventure, don't do any traveling, don't, don't do those things. What do you think is the biggest obstacle? Yeah. I think the biggest obstacle is overwhelm. I think that it's really difficult to get out of the house and there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of like stuff like baggage and everything around that getting out of the house. And I think that that is the number one obstacle. I really do. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, you know, I also just want to note that adventure doesn't have to mean huge, crazy things. Like you were saying, how it can even be challenging to get up and go to the grocery store yeah. with your kids. And so adventures can be big or they can be teeny tiny. You know, it could be uh, like visiting the local museum for an hour on a Sunday morning. Yeah. Okay. That's a really good point. And I, I guess I don't, for myself, I consider those things like not necessarily adventure. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but I think I need to maybe change my mindset around that. And I think you're right that, I, maybe I adventure a little bit more than I thought, but I don't know. <laughs> and it, I mean, it's, a, it's really about what it feels like to you. Mm -hmm. You know, for some people, it truly does feel like an adventure to go to that local museum. And for other people, that's just life and going on an international trip or taking a road trip cross country is where the real adventure is or going skiing, you know? So the great, and the great part about what I do is that I get to meet everybody where they're at. You know, yeah. so. so you kind of help us to figure out what that adventure means to us. Exactly. What it means to you and how to incorporate it more. Okay. Get awesome. what you want out of it. Yeah. Awesome. I love it. So have you seen any examples, maybe like your former client or something like that of, or maybe even yourself of people who you've seen that adventure work really well for as far as like stress relief and like kind of getting that fun back into their business and their personal life and their family life through being adventurous? Yeah, absolutely. So I have a client, a former client, her name's Katya, and she has three little kids. Um, I think at the time she had two boys when we were working together, both in preschool like really fun off the wall family, <laughs> crazy kids and so loving and beautiful. And she, her husband really wanted to take a road trip and she came to me 
and they wanted to go. They're also in Oregon. They wanted to go to California. And she was like, Jody, I really don't want to do this. <laughs> like, I don't want to do this. It's so stressful. I know when the kids start misbehaving, it's all going to fall on me. And like, you know, she's like, I don't want to say no in a way, but, and I kind of want to want to do it, but I don't want to do it. Yeah. So we had a few sessions together and just worked together on the strategy. Like what, what can come up? What might happen? How are we going to handle it? We worked a lot around mindset and setting herself up for success in that way, because knowledge is power. And when we can anticipate things and we put ourselves in a position to handle them with more grace and giving ourselves permission to adjust plans and rearrange. And I'll talk about all of this a little more in my talk, but, um, but we had these sessions together. Then she went off and she took her trip and came back to me and said it was great. And then like six months later, she came back to me again and she said, Jody, she said, I just want to tell you how much you actually transformed my life. She said, not only was I able to really enjoy the experience with my children on that road trip, even when it got hard, but also I've been able to take the skills I've learned and those tools and use them both like when I'm out traveling with my family, but also in everyday life. Oh. And she also has a business. She's a chef and cooks beautiful food. And I mean, that just touched me. I was like, whoa, that's incredible. That's awesome. Well, that's a huge transformation to go from like not even wanting to go on a road trip because you're not sure how the kids are going to behave to being like, okay, this transformed my life. That's huge. Yeah. That's yeah, awesome. it is huge. And yeah. it's so cool. And that's what you're doing too. Like transforming yeah. people's lives. It's yeah, exactly. Yeah. I love it. So what was the biggest hurdle that you faced when you kind of started breaking out of that maybe adventure or breaking into the adventure mode? Yeah. One of the hardest struggles that I faced because I did make it a priority from the beginning to figure out how to incorporate this into my life. <laughs> One of the biggest hurdles that I faced was just feeling judged by other people. You know, there are people saying, oh, you can't take a baby of that age on a plane, or how are you going to go camping with a six-month-old? or things like that. And it can really, it's really, really, really easy to let that all get to you. Yeah. And I found that too. And then it's kind of like, well, you know, I, if I am going camping with a six month old, you know, can I be credible to people who don't feel that that's yeah. what one should be doing, you know? And so there are people out there for everyone. And different things feel comfortable to different people. And so it was a journey for me figuring out how to really stay true to myself and keep my family healthy and safe in a way that, you know, is in line and feels like it's within integrity to me and just like handle that judgment from yeah. other others. Yeah, that is really difficult. And even when you're actually like in the traveling mode, and you have like a baby on a plane, people are like so judgy. It's really bad. Did you, have you experienced that? I have experienced that. And even, you know, kind of 
something happens like wherever we go. Yeah. But I found actually that on planes, typically I've got really lucky and have had really nice people That's sitting in our general vicinity. People do get judgy and like sometimes I'll, someone will come over and it'll be 75 degrees and they'll give me a hat for my, <laughs> they'll yeah. like say, your child needs a hat or whatever, you know? Yeah. And it's just a lesson in self-development and learning not to take things personally and also learning to recognize when there is real value in what other people are saying and in the advice that they're giving. Yeah. Um, I think my philosophy is that everybody, or at least most people are coming from a really good place. Yeah. And so when I'm able to take that in and see things in that way, then the suggestions or the judginess or, you know, you never know what other people are going through. You never know what's causing them to be irritable or not want that babysitting next to them. Or, yeah. So um, putting it in that light helps me to handle <laughs> those times and those situations. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. And I think traveling for me with all three kids, um, especially by myself, is a little stressful. Um, it is stressful. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm sure that you have some really amazing tips for traveling with kids. Is that right? I do have some really good tips for traveling with kids. Hey, are you going to be sharing those in your session? I will share them in my session. Yeah. We'll be awesome. talking about how to reclaim adventure in your mom life without the overwhelm. And so we'll definitely go into some of that. Okay, perfect. Well, I can't wait to watch your session. And I'm so happy that you are here participating in the summit with us. So thank you so much for being here. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Hi everyone, uh, this is Amanda Tento and I am here with Coach Tia and she is going to be talking about how to get your family to support your business. So she's going to be teaching us how families can support our business and really take us and our businesses to the next level. So welcome Tia. Thank you for having me, Amanda. This is an awesome opportunity. I'm excited about being here, sharing the information and uh, just ready to get started. Awesome. Well, I'm so excited that you've agreed to be a speaker at the summit, and I know you're going to provide so much value to all of the moms watching. So super excited. So tell me about how you got started in your business. Well, I started, um, it's, it's been about 15, 15 plus years. Uh, I majored always in psychology, family therapy, and uh, my focus was the, initially working with children, and I began working with children in different capacities. However, as much as I was trying to pour into the children, the issue that I was always having was um, not bringing a whole family into uh, whatever I was doing. And so I decided to expand my services, not just working particularly with children, but then to include families. Because, you know, how can you really be have a pivotal moment with children if you're not bringing the entire family aboard. So uh, that's how I got started. Um, I've always studied children. I love children. Uh, but the focus now is not just the children, but the family. So that's, that's where I am. That is so awesome. And it's so true. And I think as mom business owners, we are more likely to kind of um, try to work the whole family in. But other businesses and other companies kind of try to push them out <laughs> from right. my experience. Like, okay, exactly. you have a kid's soccer game on Saturday. Well, I scheduled you for a meeting or whatever, you know, like, um, so I love that your business is really focused on that and focused on um, helping people to include the family as opposed to excluding. 
Exactly. You know, the key to it all is integrating. You Once you learn to, to put it all together, to make it all work, it makes it a lot easier for everybody. You know, more people are happier and it just works. So, you know, we can't exclude. This is, this is who we are as moms. You know, we, most of us have children, we have families. So we must include the people that are most important to us. So, yeah, that is awesome. I love it. So let me ask you a question. What is the number one struggle that you see for people that you're just starting to work with? There is always about, I would say about 80% of the time, there is a wall that's there. And that wall is what stops people from moving forward. It stops families from uh, communicating effectively. And, and that wall can be many different things, but that wall is the first thing that I normally have to start working to, you know, to remove the bricks, you know, and you remove it brick by brick. It doesn't come down all at once, but removing it brick by brick, that is one of the main issues uh, is that so many people have this wall that is built up. And we can talk, I can talk about that a little bit more, but definitely uh, that wall is, is, is usually always there. Yeah. It's creating our own obstacles, right? <laughs> it really does. It does. Yeah. I think I'm, uh, I think I might have a couple walls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so give me some examples of people that you have worked with and you've seen, you know, what you're going to be teaching us about, like work for them. You know, one that I definitely know for certain, I remember years ago, I was talking to a mom and I was, we were just kind of in conversation. And I remember talking to her about, you know, being a positive role model for her daughter. And the first thing she said is that I don't want my daughter to be like me. And I thought, okay, all right, I understand that to an extent. However, we must remember that our children see us on a daily basis. And usually we are their first example of whatever you know, we are, so whatever they will be. And so that just kind of put something in my head that it's, it's important for parents to, and, I, and I, I, we know parenting is a tough job for sure, but one thing that we know for certain is that parents, as parents, we have to make sure that we are putting the positive examples out there because our children are learning both directly and indirectly. And I remember sharing that with her. I told her, I said, you know, there are things that you may not like that she, um, things about your life that you may not want her to, uh, you know, to do. However, clean those things up, clean those areas up as much as possible. And that was an issue because there goes that wall again, that, that, that wall was there. And, but then as we communicated more, it made her, it gave her, I would honestly say it gave her purpose because I could see changes in her life, which made her want to be a better example to her daughter. Um, and that's what it's all about. Just, you know, we, that's not, but it's not about right or wrong or all of that. And, you know, uh, but it's just about, you know, cleaning up those areas to help us uh, be better examples to our children. Yeah. That is Bottom awesome. line. Yeah. I love that. Okay. That's awesome. And I'm glad that you were able to see those changes and those positivity, that positivity in her. And if you had never talked to her, like who knows what her life is exactly. like now. Exactly. You know, which is exactly. That gives me the little uh, goosebumps and the, the chills. So I love it. Right, exactly. Uh, so what do you feel is the biggest hurdle that you faced in getting your own family to support your business? Oh, wow. Uh, that's a question I think so many of us mom uh, entrepreneurs are or, or acts we're dealing with, right? Because sometimes people don't see your business as being valuable. Mm. Yeah. And that is a huge obstacle, but it's so 
um, is prominent within the community of entrepreneurs. I've talked to so many, you know, women entrepreneurs, and not just women, but especially, you know, moms and, you know, women uh, not seeing the value in what we're doing. Because, you know, especially, particularly if you're working from home, you know, the question of what are you doing all day long? Or, you know, yeah. you know, what's, you know, because we're, you know, we've been so trained at times to do the nine to five outside of the home. And if we don't see the nine to five in a briefcase and all of this, then it's not really a job. But that's not the world that we live in today. Today, we have the opportunity to, you know, to be great anywhere. You know, whether I'm sitting in a coffee shop or, you know, behind a desk or what have you, we have the opportunity to be awesome and great and to use our gifts and talents. So that's that's been one of the, the main things. You know, well, what are you doing? Especially, you know, I'd always gone to college and I'd learned about, you know, uh, you know, had obtained degrees and such. So they wanted to make sure, are you using the degrees that you receive? That was huge. And um, that that's a huge one. Just making sure that, you know, just people seeing the value in what we do on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, that's so true. And I I almost feel like whenever anybody says that or, or whenever anybody's like, what, you don't work? Like, you know, right. like, wait, a minute, really? wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Right. I work more than you, <laughs> you know? Exactly. That's but, usually the case, yes. Yeah. Exactly. I work more now, and I thought I would be working less. Um, I'm gearing myself up to be working less, hopefully. Um, but, you know, I'm working more now on my own business than I did as, you know, when I had a, well, mine was more like a nine to seven, but when I had a nine to seven, I worked, um, you know, five days a week, and I worked really hard, but then at least I got to come home and I didn't have anything that I brought with me. Exactly. Um, now I work all the time, you know? Exactly. So, exactly. exactly. Yeah. So, and people don't see that value. And I think that's their own fear. That's my thought is that they don't, they're exactly. not brave enough to take that leap. And so they're kind of like secretly judging you for taking that leap and, you know, true. Find your that is so thing. true. That is so true. And, and and how do you know that is because later on in my own experiences, people that question, you know, my journey as an entrepreneur, you know, years ago, I see now that, okay, you're starting your own business, you know, maybe now you're into baking or maybe, you know, you're doing something, but, you know, initially you were like, well, how could you do that? You know, that yeah. doesn't make sense. And now, you know, you realize that, okay, there is some, some, you know, validity to this. So um, definitely we, um, it's, it's an interesting, you know, situation, but uh it's all about us remaining positive as we're working and doing what we're supposed to be doing because without a doubt, people are always watching. Yep. We are definitely inspiring people, whether they give us, you know, the props or not, they're always, you know, inspired by what we're doing. So yeah. that's important. Yeah, I agree 100%. Well, I am super duper excited for your um, session. I'm going to be watching it and I'm going to be uh, taking notes feverishly because I feel like I have a lot of uh, family, my immediate family, not my husband. My husband is very supportive, but I do have um, immediate family that do not have a clue what I do and why I do it and all of those things. My mom the other day was like, you have a what? What is a podcast? I'm like, exactly. oh my goodness. Okay, right. never exactly. mind. <laughs> exactly. I love coming in on that area because, you know, that's they sometimes they don't know what we do. And so yeah. it's huge when we open the door and let them in. It's like having a, a housewarming or something, you know, when we let them in into our world. Yeah. Then I, I see where things get a lot better. So um, I'm excited about teaching this. Well, I'm excited about learning it. So and I'm sure that it's going to benefit so many moms. And so I'm very grateful that you are going to be um, talking about it with us. Without a doubt. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Yeah, you're welcome. 
Hi everyone, Amanda Tento here and I am with Dr. Lynetta Willis and she is going to be telling us how to stop living in stable misery and transform our businesses. So this is probably one of the most important talks of the Business Mom Summit, um, not to negate any of the others, but at this particular moment, um, the entire world is under quarantine for the coronavirus. So it's just a very, uh, you know, unstable, uncertain time. And I am so excited to have her as part of the Business Mom Summit. So welcome, Dr. Willis. Hi, thank you for having me. This is going to be great. <laughs> yeah. So let's get started and tell us a little bit about um, how you got started in your business. Yeah. So um, I'm a psychologist by trade and I am now doing coaching, but originally um, my story actually started a long, long time ago when I was very small. Um, my family, they raised children in what I like to call the four horsemen mindset. So pain, blame, shame, and avoidance were used to really keep us in line and keep us under control. And I had an epiphany as a young adult before I was married, had kids, anything, that um, I didn't want to raise my family that way, that I wanted to raise my family much different and use different tools to do so, not just my kids, but also my marriage and transform myself and things of that nature. And what I, my original thought was, okay, I'm going to learn my way into a different way of being with myself and my family. So I went and I got a PhD and it didn't work because I realized that even with all this knowledge, how we show up and how we shift how we show up requires a little bit more of deeper insight and deeper work. So um, that took a while, that realization took a while to hit. And in the meantime, I entered into what I like to call um, stable misery cycles in my family. And um, what that means is, you know, things were going along fairly well in most areas of my life. I was pretty, pretty confident, doing really well in school and in my business and all of this. But at home, I was unhappy. I was unfulfilled. I was anxious, you know, so things were stable, things were safe. But at home, it, I felt um, the, the stability wasn't always good, wasn't always coming from the, the best place. So I was living in what I like to call stable misery in my marriage and sometimes in my motherhood. And so um, the way that I started to realize what ended up happening was as I formed my business, that my business was also intricate in that process. Mm -hmm. And what would happen is um, my business became what I call the mistress <laughs> in the sense that it really, you know, um, it brought me joy and satisfaction and happiness. And, you know, I felt like I could control something and it felt good in ways that I wasn't necessarily feeling at home. Um, and, I, and I've since created like a four phase model to describe that process that we can talk about. But um, realizing too that my business, I needed to transform myself and also how I was showing up in my relationships and also my relationship with my business because I love my business and I love my family and I don't want them pitted against each other. But I was finding that the further I went, the more I invested in my business, um, the more it was starting to do that. And that just didn't feel good. 
That's awesome. And I can totally relate to absolutely everything that you said. Um, and I think it's a really good thing to point out the fact that you wanted to unlearn or I guess overlearn or relearn. I don't know those. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure what the correct term is there. Um, but you know how you grew up and the fact that even having a PhD wasn't enough that there's actually more tangible practical tools that you need to learn on top of that. I think that's a really good point. And I think it also releases a lot of guilt um, and a lot of um, shame and fear, I guess, from moms who maybe are feeling like they want to do things differently than their parents did, but they don't have those tools available or they're, they're not sure exactly what to do. So even you graduating with a PhD in that basically topic, um, it didn't necessarily allow you to have those tools, right? Right. No, very true. Not only did I get a PhD, but I specialized in all the things I needed, mm -hmm. like trauma healing, parenting, family and couples work, yeah. mindfulness. Like those were all my specialties, yeah. <laughs> right? Oh. And the kicker was I was helping other people do it just fine, Yeah, you know, but it does require that we shift how we show up. Mm -hmm. you know, in so many different ways. And one of the things I had to learn about myself was, because one of the core beliefs I had was that I wasn't enough. I wasn't worthy, things like that. Right. So I had to get to a point where I started to realize, you know what, this isn't about who I am because I believe who I am is whole and creative and enough, you know, mm -hmm. but it was about how I was, how I was showing up. Yeah. And I've since created a framework that I use with my clients that basically takes all that information. I mean, unless you want to go out and get a PhD, I wouldn't recommend it, yeah. but if you want to do that so you can learn all this, great. Or, <laughs> you know, just get my model, my framework, and it's yeah. got basically five pathways that, that I learned to put into place that really helps to do the work that I did without a PhD and tons of money. Yeah, that's awesome. It sounds like it's actually the easier, quicker path. And maybe um, if it had been available when you were going to start your PhD, maybe you would have <laughs> chosen that path. <laughs> exactly. It would have been a much easier path yeah. to walk. I don't regret it necessarily yeah. getting my PhD, but you know, it was definitely something that looking back, there was an underlying reason behind mm -hmm. why I was getting it that um, didn't necessarily just have to do with the pursuit of knowledge or wanting to be a professor, right? It was, it was searching for that self-healing and a way to transform myself. But as you said, also, um, like I always say, we talk about uh, breaking cycles and building new legacies, you know, and that's really what was important to me. Like, how do we break these cycles that keep us stuck in these stable misery relationships? How do we break these cycles that keep us repeating and passing down legacies that we know aren't helpful mm -hmm. to anyone, right? And so I'm really committed to, you know, shifting the legacies that were passed down to me and then also helping my children to do it. And, and my hope and prayer is that they'll be like, yeah, mom, this worked, but this didn't. And then they'll transform some stuff and then, you yeah. know, and then it'll keep to getting better, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I, love I love it. Okay. So tell me, um, what is the number one struggle for, um, moms that are currently living in stable misery? Is it the recognition? Is it the, I don't know. You tell me. 
Yeah, I think that awareness is key. I do, you know, realizing that this is what it is. When I, I've been using that phrase for over 20 years and it's, it's really fascinating to me that I never, I was in a, in a workshop with some women and I used the phrase and one of the women was like, whoa, 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 what was that phrase? And I was like, oh, stable misery. And they were like, oh my gosh, wait a minute. That's huge. You know? And Um, you know, as business owners, we go through that process where we have to figure out like, how do I describe what I do and who I help and, uh, you know, and so I came up with this great spiel around stable misery and I never get to use it because I just say, oh, I help women and then their families break free from stable misery. And everybody's like, oh, like everybody gets it. Everybody knows what it is. And it's such a relief because when you get it, you realize this isn't a fault thing. It's not your fault right? It's just the way that you are in relationships. And there's a reason why you are that way, whether it be because that's how you were raised, that's how you were conditioned to be. Um, it's just certain dynamics that are going on and it's a protective space for you to be in. There's so many different reasons why, but it's not a fault thing. And a lot of times we feel like we feel bad, especially as women, especially as parents, you know, we feel guilty, like, oh, there's something I'm doing wrong or something I need to change or something with, with me. And then we get down to that core belief realm. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. You know, all of this stuff when really, no, you're just living in a cycle. You're living in a framework that's keeping you stuck in this space. And it is absolutely possible to get out. That's awesome. I love it. And I, I agree with you completely. As soon as you um, we talked about this last week, but as soon as you said stable misery, I was like, oh my God, I totally know exactly what she's talking about. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like I know it and I live it off and on. I go through my cycles and that's why I'm really excited to have you on and talk about it. And so I can also learn and recover. <laughs> Absolutely. And you know, I'm glad that you said that too, because it is psych- it is a cycle. Like I, mm-hmm. I find myself in stable misery cycles, even though this is what I teach. Yeah. And the thing is, stable misery is not bad in and of itself. It's an indicator, mm-hmm. right? So when I find myself slipping into some of those cycles, or if those warning signs start to peak, I realize like, oh, wait a minute. Because the antidote for stable misery is joy. Yeah. That's the antidote, right? So when I ask myself, where am I lacking joy in my life? Where am I feeling stuck? Where am I feeling, where am I experiencing fear? Where am I feeling like I need to be small? You know, all of these things and where, what's one step I can take to bring more joy into my life, into my space, into this moment. Let's just start with the moment. I have to go the whole life, just this moment. Right. So it's just an indicator. That's awesome. I love it. And it makes so much sense. And the fact that the antidote is joy, I think that makes even more sense. And I love it. Um, So I cannot wait to see this talk. And I'm sure that all of the other moms that are watching this video are very, very excited to, to register for your talk as well. So thank you so much for being part of the business mom summit. And, um, definitely honoring us with your presence. Oh, thank you for having me. It's going to be so much fun. (laughs) Hi, everyone. Amanda Tento here from The Determined Mom, and I'm here with Cami Brecto from Cami Renee Fine Art, and she is going to be sharing with us how painting can be used as a creative outlet for productivity for your mental health and your emotional health as well. So welcome, Cami. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, I'm, you have no idea how excited I and other speakers are um, to have you here. And I know the attendees are going to be very excited to hear your topic as well. So 
tell us a little bit about you and how you got started um, with a painting business. It's such a unique business. And I think, um, I don't know, it's just amazing. So just tell us how you got started. Oh, thank you. Um, I've been a visual person and an art artistic person pretty much all my life. Um, my mom was very artistic and she would sit down and sketch probably for her mental health <laughs> for many she had a very there were lots of lots of stuff going on in the household and we were a busy family and um she could sit down and sketch something beautifully and represent it and i was just i i loved that and so when she decided she wanted to take painting lessons i'm like mom can i have painting and um, very graciously, I, she provided some private painting lessons for me when I was around 10 or 11. It was oil painting, um, and it was great. It was really brilliant. And I, I learned so much, and it just spoke to me so much that I took as much art as I could through school. Mm -hmm. um, but then when I became, I got married um, shortly after college and um, worked full time. And then, after, and I didn't do much art, not a ton. That and while I was working full time, and then I um, became a mom, and I started recognizing the need for creativity. Um, that I need a little space, I need a little time for me, or I am going to go batty. <laughs> and um, so I recognized that need about myself. I was involved in a in a group, um, a, a mom's group. Um, called MOPS, Mothers of Preschoolers. And within that group, the time, part of that time was like a craft time. And I was just like, yes, you know, and I just recognized that need inside myself to, to, to do something, start to completion and actually complete it all by myself and, and, and have something. And I did that. I completed that. It was so good for me. It made me really realize how that's a transferable thing for lots of people. It's not, it wasn't just me being a creative. Mm -hmm. Everybody needs something that they can point to that's fun, that's relaxing, that, that they can do and start to finish. So that was my like recognition that painting or that doing something creative was really important. It was a craft time that we did. When my kids were very, very small, I did the newsletter for that mom's group and I did um, a little cartoon. So I was grabbing moments, seizing the sweet and funny and cute, adorable things that my kids would say that I didn't want to forget, but I knew myself and I knew that I would. I have four kids in five years, kind of. Wow. It sounds like they're two years apart, but they're not really. They're all closer than two years apart. Yeah. And so I was very, very, very busy um, when they were little. Um, and so they, um, so I keep like a list on the side of my fridge and um, of those cute, funny little things that they would say. And once a month, I would turn my favorite quote from the month and, into a comic or a cartoon. And um, so that was a sweet little creative outlet, but I almost, I had a deadline for it. So it was something that was creative. It savored the moment. It was good for the family. The kids love them now. They're treasures now. But, um, but it was a creative outlet that was on my schedule that I had to do. 
because it was part of my job for mops. Mm -hmm. So it was pretty cool. Um, and then later I got back into acrylic painting um, because I didn't want the fumes from the oils around. Um, there's paint thinner, there's turpentine, there's um, linseed oil. Um, and li quite literally, my paintings got dusty before they were dry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I needed something to dry a little faster than oil paint. <laughs> yeah, it, it is a little slow drying there. <laughs> so I love oils. I'm not bashing oils one little bit, but my lifestyle didn't mesh with oils. And I needed that sense of I need to finish something and, and that sense of start to completion in a shorter time frame. Mm -hmm. And um, acrylics provided that for me. So I got started um, just as my kids were um, in the elementary school age and junior high with doing paint parties just to do a little side money, a little, little me time kind of, and, and providing that me time for some moms. And um, so that's the beginnings of the business and it's just grown from there. That's awesome. I love it. And I love what you were saying about the, the cartoons. I think that could be a really great way for us as moms to kind of capture, you know, Yes. those moments, you know, and like you said, now your kids are older and they treasure that, uh, those little cartoons. And I think that's a really, really cool way to do that. Yeah. And it is, and don't get all hung up about your stick figures or whatever the people look like and don't get hung up on that. Nobody cares. Yeah. They care about the moment. And, um, that's, that to me is like savor the moment and treasure that. And, um, you know, you can work on your sketching skills or your drawing skills or whatever, but don't let that prevent you from doing it. Okay. That's, that's <laughs> great advice. <laughs> and hopefully we'll all listen. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, so what is the number one thing that you see people, you deal with people all the time that are not like artists, right? They're just trying to, your business is all about helping people to relieve stress and kind of expand their experience um, in stress relief. So how, what is that biggest struggle that you see people, you know, dealing with when they're trying to delve into painting or um, some sort of creative outlet? Well, um, I, uh, two things. I think number one is overwhelm of not knowing where to start because um, you could have this great idea and want to want to get creative or crafty somehow. And just, you could, you, I get overwhelmed. If you walk down the, the aisles at Michael's or you go on Amazon and you're like, what do I start with? How do I even begin? And it's overwhelming. Um, so with acrylic painting, it's fairly new on the scene as far as history goes. Um, acrylic painting has been around and really, really blossomed in the last 20 years. Yeah. Um, it's been, a, it's been around longer than that. I want to say 60 or 70 years, but it's, it's, um, really blossomed in what you can do with it and the additives and all the things in the last 20 years. And so every time I turn around, there's a new technique or new additive. So I understand that overwhelm. Yeah. And so I, um, try to coach people very, kindly and and help them understand that they don't need to spend a ton of money or waste a lot of time dabbling in lots of different things i can teach them how to use a few supplies and and have it be um 
a really satisfying experience. So that's the first thing is, is the overwhelm of, of the, the project. And I really like to break it down into step-by-steps. And then the secondly is that our, ourselves, we got to get out of our own way and the mental, mental space. So I, I work really hard once people get to the room or get to the paint and sip or get to the, the event that I'm doing to help them once they get there. But I, I have no influence or very little influence on what they tell themselves before they get there. Yeah. And so that mental headspace, I mean, you can walk in anywhere and say, I'm not a good artist. I'm going to be terrible at this. Well, my friend made me come or whatever. And you basically choosing how, what, you, what kind of fun you're going to have. Right. And um, I don't think that's being very fair to yourself. And I, I try to encourage people to imprint their brain with positive thoughts and trying new things and exploring in the moment and quit stressing about the end outcome. That's only, that's like, that's so, such a small part of the whole thing. The the most important thing is, did you enjoy it? Did you have fun? And um, did you learn something? Hey, then, then I feel like that's a job well done. Um, can I encourage you to be a better painter? Can I give you step-by-steps? Yeah, that's why I'm here. But more importantly, be kind to yourself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and say, if you can't say anything nice about your painting, compliment your neighbor. Mm-hmm. Get some positive stuff going out of your mouth, you know? Yeah. And, and so really, that's that's the my most challenging part of my job is helping people not talk themselves out of painting like you know yeah painting yeah (laughs) and I think we're trained as a society to look at the outcome when it comes to art you know like you go to an art gallery you stare at paintings that are already done you're not thinking about the process you're not thinking about all of the like blood sweat and tears that went into it you're just like okay you know you were trained to look at it and observe and um, feel it and all that stuff and I think like you're saying like we need to become that artist right and step into that role just enjoy it and enjoy the the process Mm -hmm. and quit stressing over the outcome the outcome will come but how many times do we tell our kids um don't compare yourself to me yeah but then as moms we turn around and do the same thing Mm -hmm. so that's not fair (laughs) (laughs) you're right it's not (laughs) It's not okay to um, go into a painting event and then compare your painting to mine. Yeah. I've been painting, like, I paint almost every day, and and I have thousands of hours of practice, and I'm always learning something new and trying new things, and I it's, it's like a habit now, which is great, but you can't, that's not fair to yourself right. to, to do that unless, unless... I don't know. I just, I don't think there's a a positive outcome out of that unless you're being teachable and humble and saying, okay, I want to get better. So what do I need to do to change that? How do I need to do it? And then there's a difference of rather than beating yourself up. Yeah. That makes complete sense. And I can completely relate to that (laughs) because I'm one of the outcome people right now, but after your talk, I'm hoping to be one of the process people. (laughs) 
Yay! <laughs> um, that's why I'm really looking forward to it. So, yeah, and I know that um, all of the moms watching um, definitely need to be watching your your talk as well because we all need that creative outlet. And I know you're going to be able to show us how to attain that. And um, yeah, I can't wait. Awesome! <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for being part of the Business Mom Summit. And uh, again, I'm looking forward to it. Thank you. Hi everyone, it's Amanda Tento and I am here with Erin Gruich and she is from The Sensational Path. She is going to be teaching us how movement breaks can be used to supercharge your productivity, your creativity, and your mood. So welcome Erin. Thanks, thanks for having me on this uh, interview and I'm excited for the summit. Me too, it's gonna be so much fun. There are so many amazing um, speakers just like yourself and that are going to be teaching us so much about, you know, just up-leveling our business and ourself and everything. So I'm very excited to have you on. Thanks. So tell me a little bit about how you got started in your business. Uh, well, I've been an occupational therapist. This is my 20th year as a therapist. And, um, two years ago I ran a booster campaign, which is like a crowdfunding campaign. Um, because I had this idea of uh, a mobile clinic that I wanted to create. And so two years ago, I ran my campaign and raised money to create a bus. But more than that, I validated this idea. So I had this idea and I wanted to test it before I spent a whole bunch of money and bought a bus and all this. So through the booster campaign, I got that all kickstarted and created a bus. And now it services. Um, rural communities mainly and I go and provide door-to-door -door services or drive right up to the schools and I don't have to worry about having space to work in and um, I get to see the clients that maybe couldn't travel to the city for their appointment. Oh that's awesome that's such a great idea and especially in a rural community where there are those challenges of like the schools maybe being older and not as updated maybe is that a challenge that you face? Yeah, I mean, a lot of the schools that I have, they've implemented a sensory room, but um, there's daycares and, and preschools that I go to where if the speech therapist is there, I don't have a space to work unless I have my bus. And so I'm not the only OT who doesn't have space to work in. It's kind of a common theme. We get put into closets or janitor rooms. And so this was just a way to solve that problem. Maybe you're the only one that's successfully solved it, right? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome. Um, I know you teach other occupational therapists how they can also kind of replicate that bus. Is that right? Yeah, I started out um, getting lots of questions from people. Once I started posting pictures of the bus, I had lots of questions from other occupational therapists asking how, how to set up a bus and um, so I, I've set up a few things like a, a tribe on Facebook where occupational therapists can join and learn tips about how to set up a sensory bus um, but then I realized that not everybody wanted a bus and so I kind of branched out a little bit into just helping people create sensory spaces so parents, teachers and other occupational therapists are kind of on board with that. Oh, that's awesome. That's a great idea because you're right. I don't think, I think a bus is a very niche uh, way to create that space, but helping other um, people that are involved in that need for occupational therapy 
um, in just sensory spaces, I think is awesome. So that was a great idea. Uh, next question that I have for you is how can um, us moms that are entrepreneurs, which is pretty much everyone watching this summit or participating in this summit, um, how can we use um, what you're going to be teaching us to really change our lives in our business? Well, we all have um, sensory needs and um, what I'm talking about there is like some of us, I, I explain it as some of us have a big cup and some of us have a little cup. And so if you think of having a big cup, um, you need to move more to fill that cup or you need to touch more things to fill that cup or you need more noises to kind of stay awake and alert. And so I'll be teaching about how to figure out what size your cup is um, and then how to find the right things that would fill your cup so that you can be more productive and creative and, and just feel better because the research out there shows that movement um, can help with productivity like for school-age kids. That's mainly what I, who I work with. So I'm taking this information and moving it into just our roles as entrepreneurs because if movement can help kids be more productive and learn, then I think as entrepreneurs and as moms, we need to make movement part of our everyday life so that we are more productive and more creative and we feel better because if you are kind of in a down mood and you go exercise, you're going to get those endorphins and hormones that are going to make you feel better. That's awesome. So. I love it. I love how that can translate, you know, into um, adults. I think as adults, we tend to think that play or dancing or any of that kind of stuff is only reserved for either like special moments or for when the kids are around. Right. Um, and I think that kind of, we need to get out over that. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah. And I mean, I wish I practiced what I preached like hundred percent because I often, when I'm working at home, I just get in the groove and I start working. But if I stood up and walked around or if I had a, a desk that was a standing desk or a desk that had a treadmill underneath it or a, a Peloton bike, I would probably be a lot more productive, but I do try to get up in the morning and have a workout before I start to do my, my work at my computer because it really does help. Like it makes me feel more energized. My brain like is running a little bit better and it's helpful. That's awesome. So another question that I have is you mentioned um, the size of our cup, but then you also mentioned the different ways that we can fill it. Are there, um, is everybody different or is like music like one thing that is like the standall um, fills everybody's cup or? Um, no, every, I would say everybody has different cups. And so you can have uh, a big cup for movement. So you're the person that needs a lot of movement. You're fidgeting at your desk. You can't sit still. Um, so you can have a big cup for movement and a little cup for sounds. So there's people who, who don't like music who, and even at different points in the day, loud noises or too much music can set people off and put them into a kind of a fight or flight response. So if you have a small cup for, for sounds, then you're not going to want a lot of music in the background when you're trying to concentrate. But if you have a big cup for sounds, you might need to wear headphones and listen to music while you're studying or while you're doing your work. Well, that's awesome. That makes sense. And I think, 
I'm not even sure what my cups are, so I can't wait to <laughs> to evaluate your what you have to teach us because um, I kind of feel like I do, but then after I heard you talk about it, I'm like, ooh, I don't know. Maybe that's what makes me, you know, feel the way that I feel in the afternoon or whatever because I'm doing something that's not really aligned with, you know, what I should be doing. So that's kind of a really interesting question there. And our sensory preferences can change like from day to day and throughout the day. That's what makes my job as a therapist so interesting because I can go and help a child and they're doing great when I'm there and working one-on-one -on -one with them. But when there's a whole bunch of noise or a whole bunch of other things going on, it's totally different. So yeah. I always have to put on my sensory goggles and I just, I'm, I'm fascinated by it. And so I love teaching other people what it's all about and we use a program that's called Zones of Regulation, and I'm hoping to be able to incorporate that into my talk as well, because it teaches us how to get into the right zone. So when I'm talking with kids, we talk about getting in the green zone, and that's where you're ready to learn. But if you're in the yellow zone, you're starting to lose control. And if you're in the red zone, you've lost control. And then the blue zone is at the bottom, it's on the other end, and that's like when you're sad and and things like that. So recognizing which zone you're in or which zone you're in throughout the day can help you choose when it's a good time to work and when it's a good time to take a rest or take a movement break. Well, that's interesting. I think that is going to be really exciting for us to, to figure out because I know that there are certain, like, was it yesterday? I think it was yesterday. I literally just sat at my desk and I don't even know what I did for however many hours I was at my desk, but it was extremely unproductive. And I think if I would have that tool that you're going to give us to kind of figure that out and then evaluate and figure out what I need to do, I think that would have been really helpful. <laughs> so. I'm with you because I'll sit and scroll and scroll and scroll. And then I'm like, wow, I just wasted two hours when I could have been yeah. getting my pitch kit done. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mine isn't even scrolling. It's more like just like, Oh, I have to do that. Oh, I have to do that. Oh, I have to do that. And then like, I don't actually know what I've gotten done. Mm -hmm. Did I anything done? Did I not? I don't know. Like, it's just like this haze of, um, I'm not sure what I did, you know? Yeah. So, just going in circles. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I'm very excited for your talk and I am super excited to have you as a guest. So thank you so much for agreeing to be on with us. Thank you. Hi everyone, it's Amanda Tento and I am here with the amazing Abby Bouchamp and she is going to be teaching us all about how using your vagus nerve properly or how it's holding you back currently from reaching your revenue potential. So she is an amazing expert in the nervous system field. Um, they call her the Mr. Miyagi of business as well and she is the owner of the Ortho Healing Center. So welcome Abby. Thank you, Amanda. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, definitely. I am really excited to learn what you're going to teach us. <laughs> I think I say that to everyone, but I think it's because I've uh, vetted everyone myself, and I'm really excited to learn about everything that everyone has to teach. So I'm really, really looking forward to hearing what you have to say. Sure. Um, so I have a question for you. Mm -hmm. How did you get started in this um, industry? It seems like you have a really interesting mix of, you know, the nervous system expert portion and then the business expert portion. So I would love to hear how they started and how they kind of started to overlap. Yeah. So um, 
my, as I was raised by an, by entrepreneurs, my parents are entrepreneurs and I was gifted with the, the open mindset of looking at the world, um, through possibilities and service, like how, I mean, that's what I think entrepreneurs are for, right? Is we're here to help fill a gap in the world, the fill a need. And so I started with my first uh, network marketing business actually at 22. I was working for the state of Oregon at the time and it just blew my mind wide open. So I learned really about that sort of so much about service and personal development, leadership development, and got really immersed in that world and started building those skills up as I um, later ended up opening my own school, opening a couple of nonprofits, being married into a, a family full of entrepreneurs with everything from small business to international corporate sales and service and lasers. So we had a, a wide variety of what I supported. And all through that being the, the mom volunteer at everything. I, I was proudly drove a Suburban so I could take all the kids everywhere we needed to go and, and really help to show up and be there for my, my kids as well. So I was really, I've had this really wonderful life. My, my children are just, I'm leaving, I'm empty nesting this year in just a couple months. So um, it's, I'm, I'm at a really special time. They're amazing young women out in the world and I'm very, very proud of them. Awesome. So how all this kind of evolved out, though, is where I'm at today is I, um, through building all those businesses, all those experiences, I was introduced by my sister-in-law to something called orthobionomy. And my youngest was in horses at the time, and I had fallen in love with this horse at her barn, and I was helping a horse. Um, I just wanted to be with this horse, so I was doing energetic groundwork classes because this horse couldn't be ridden, had all these other problems. I just wanted to be with this one horse. And my sister-in-law said, hey, I'm becoming an orthobionomist, and you should come take a class with me. And I said, an orthobi what? That's a lot of like It's kind of like massage, acupuncture, Reiki, kind of all in one. And I'm like, touch people? No, no, no. I'm a school administrator. We don't do that. That's against the rules. That's against the rules. She said, no, no, no. You could help that horse splash you told me about. And I'm like, well, if I have enough credit card points, I guess I'll come down and take your class in New Mexico. <laughs> That's funny. It all hinged on the credit card points. <laughs> it did. Like, I'm like, oh, okay. And so then I got on the plane. I'm like, I guess I probably should have a more open heart and just see what these people are doing. So the first time I walked in, I was like, I don't know what they're doing, but it's so fascinating. I had been in four car accidents and had so much happen in my own body and received so much body work in my life. I had never seen a body shift so quickly with such ease and then hold. And I was just like, this is, I don't know what they're doing, but I got to go figure this out. So I came back, I helped splash and I said, okay, I want more. Well, the instructor happened to be from Australia and she'd gone back to Australia. Oh. And they said, the, the next option is Colorado, but they're teaching it on people. You're going to have to actually touch people. Yeah. And so I talked to that instructor. She said, I can help you convert it to horses. And through that, I fell in love with touching and supporting people in their full health that way and found out it was more of what I was supposed to do my whole life was, was this orthobionomy. And as it's evolved over the last eight years, um, getting it recognized in the state, starting a student clinic, um, really building it up in, in Oregon and, and worldwide, it's a, it's a worldwide modality that getting the understanding about what it is, is that really it's, it's becoming a nervous system expert is understanding that any being, any nervous system has the ability to come back and self-correct to its best comfort and function. It's ultimately what it's always trying to do. And any trauma in your life from a little brief, you bumped your toe to something very emotionally um, like a death in the family 
causes a snapshot in your body of your best comfort and function. Your body doesn't want to bleed to death. It doesn't want to break a bone. Mm -hmm. and it actually wants to keep your eyes level. So it goes, here's a snapshot, here's a snapshot, here's a snapshot. And so what I do is I help the body get back to its best comfort and function track for the whole of the system, physical to energetic. And when you do that and you're living from that place, then everything else starts to come into place. So your business will work better. You'll have better relationships with your partners, with your children, with your friends. Like all of this starts to come into much better alignment and you have better flow in your whole life. Mm -hmm. And a key component of that is the vagus nerve. So the vagus nerve is what controls, it's your 10th brain nerve and it controls your fight or flight system. And so it is for a lot of us, and I think myself very much so, it gets, it's supposed to come on, kick up the adrenaline, kick up the cortisol, help you run away from the saber-toothed tiger, right? <laughs> and then it's supposed to come back off. You're supposed to drop into rest and digest. And most of us don't know how to do that. And so that's what I help people do is help that vagus nerve learn how to get back into its best comfort and function spot. That's and interesting. And to turn itself back off. Yeah. Okay. So I'll go into a lot of stories about how that works and how you can help yourself and how you can work with others to, to help them as well. Okay. That's awesome. So that is about the nervous system part, which I think is really cool. But what about, how did you kind of get into like the books that you're writing and, or that you have written and how did all of that come into play? Yeah. So after doing this for about eight years, um, in my little office in Milwaukee, Oregon, seeing, you know, 25 people a week, I, I was very much called inside of me that this work needs to be broader. You know, I've already had changed the laws in Oregon to help them be seen at a bigger level, but there was more, there was more that I needed to do. And so I actually had on a vision board for a long time, like, I'm going to go write a book. I'm going to go, I have to go away to write this book. Yeah. I get advertised, like, here's an opportunity to write a book to make an impact in the world in three months. If you can pull off four to six hours a week through the author's incubator. And I reached out to them and applied and they've completely followed through with that. So we've now written a book on how to help avoid a back surgery and get your full life back. And that's gone to the world. It's on Amazon. It's become an Amazon bestseller twice now. It um, has been picked up by a big publishing house. And then the publishers have come back and said, now you can write your second book on anything you want. And I said, well, I want to marry what I know as a, a nervous system expert to what I know as a businesswoman. Because what I see is the biggest gap in so many entrepreneurs that I know is that they, they gather all this information, but they're missing that experiential piece, right? Like back to my background in Montessori education, it's like, it's, you gotta, you gotta physically do it to understand. And so instead of just showing information or telling you guys things, I'm going to actually show you how to do things. And we're going to, we're going to physically do some things to your body so that you can straighten back up your own vagus nerve. And that is awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm positive my vagus nerve is in a case. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> so um, I can't wait to um, to watch your your talk and you know your session and just learn everything that I can and apply it. And I will I will also be reading your book. So fantastic. Um, so what can people expect as an outcome of trying your method? Well, the second book right now is actually called Money Now, Increase Your Revenues by 60% in Six Weeks. Because I've proven this out over and over again with a multitude of different entrepreneurs from you know, network marketers to traditional business to online coaches. 
So what happens, the, the vagus nerve is, a, is like one of the largest components of this work, is that when you are in full alignment, when your vagus nerve is working properly, your revenues will go up. You can navigate the world in such a better way. And I've, you know, I had always been a woman that did a lot of stuff and I didn't realize how much I was being held back by my vagus nerve until the first time that it reset. Mm -hmm. And I actually felt what a true rest and digest was, which is the opposite of fight or flight. Most of us know fight or flight. You've got fight or flight and then you have frozen. And most of us actually are really living in frozen and disease starts to happen in our body, obesity, um, stress, uh, you know, fatigue, all of that starts happening in our body because we never allow it to go down to its rest and digest. Mm-hmm. When, we, when the body can naturally do that by itself as it's supposed to, then you, the, the sky is the limit. I literally this year have set a goal for financial freedom by my 45th birthday which is May 27th, 2020. Four years ago, my husband left me and I was at net zero. Wow. I will be fully financially free by May. That's huge. It's because I've got my vagus nerve under control. I can do that. I can say that. That's awesome. That's, that's what I love to help entrepreneurs. And particularly, I just have a soft spot for mom entrepreneurs because that's just, we spend more plates than I think anybody else. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and so we understand, like, I understand what that means to take care of the household, take care of the family, be your, take care of you mm-hmm. and then make the impact that you know you're meant to make in the world because we need support with that. Yeah. We need, we need somebody to lock arms and show us, not just talk at us, but to show us like, how do we do it? I yeah. want to do it. How do I do it? And that's what I help with. Awesome. Well, I, <laughs> I think it's an amazing, amazing topic. And I hope that you all enjoy Abby's talk in the summit. And I'm very, very honored that she uh, agreed to be here with us and to share her expertise and definitely make sure that you look out for her books and um, they will be hitting the shelves uh, July, right? The first one? The first one will be July, 2020. It'll be on the bookstores. Yes. Right now it's on Amazon. It's available on Amazon. Mm -hmm. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Abby. Thank you very much, Amanda. This episode of The Determined Mom Show is brought to you by the Business Mom Summit. If you're struggling with anything in your business, in your mindset, in your marketing, with your self-care, or even with your social media, this is the summit for you. Featuring more than 30 speakers that are experts in their industry to help you up-level your life, your business, your social, your marketing, you get the picture all for free. You can attend the Business Bomb Summit for free and it is a virtual summit so you don't have to fork out any cash for travel expenses or hotels or babysitters or any of those things. You can attend from the comfort of your own home. The Business Bomb Summit will take place from April 20th through April 24th and you can register at businessmomsummit.com and you can also take a little sneak peek of preview interviews of our topics and our speakers on businessmomsummit.com. Can't wait to see you there.